Hey, happy Thanksgiving weekend to you. Uh, we are so grateful that uh, you are with us, and uh, we're glad that you joined us here online. If you're watching with us live, uh, welcome. My name is John Landis, minister of the Roanoke Valley Church. Great to be able to serve this awesome community. And uh, again, uh, if you're watching this later on Facebook, we're glad you found us. And uh, if you're watching on YouTube, we're glad you found us there too. So anyway, uh, we pray and hope that you had a great Thanksgiving weekend. It uh, still continues on, and we hope that you've enjoyed your uh, time together with family. I want to give a shout out and a thanks to Christina and Kevin uh, Bamber for sharing communion this morning with us. Uh, we appreciate you guys so much. We appreciate your heart uh, in that moment of uh, being flexible and uh, faithfulness. And again, we're glad that uh, that uh, Kevin's parents got to come down from Ohio. Welcome. Uh, hello to Kevin's family. Uh, if they're joining us uh, this morning, I'm sure they are. But uh, again, great to be together. We pray that you have had a great weekend. Uh, the title of our lesson this morning is uh, is Worship in the Wilderness, or Worship Through the Wilderness. And we're going to be looking at Psalm 95 this morning. And uh, we, if you were with us last Sunday, uh, we looked at another psalm there, and we talked about the wilderness. And what is the wilderness? And we, the reality is, is that the wilderness really is this life before God restores all things to his original creation. What we long for as disciples, what we long for as Christians, is for, for God to come back and to uh, restore Eden and restore kingdom. So what we learned last week is that wilderness is our life. Uh, we think of wilderness uh, as the Israelites wander through the desert for 40 years. We think about uh, difficulty and challenge representing or, or really illuminating what wilderness is, and uh, that would be true. Uh, but the reality is for all of us is this world is not our home. We're just a passing through. We just, uh, we just sang that, and uh, that this is the wilderness, that this is the wandering on our way to the promised land, just like the Israelites were on their way to the promised land. And that's us, and that's our life, and we need to learn uh, how to worship in the difficulty to worship in this life and the importance of all of that. We, uh, we, we did this little mini-series on the wilderness as we close out 2020 because 2020 has, in a lot of ways, been uh, challenging, has been difficult, has been un unexpected, uh, has been a challenge for, for all of us in many different ways. We've lost family, we've lost friends, uh, we've lost jobs, we've lost uh, a sense of security in a lot of ways, we've lost health, and uh, again, we've lost fellowship. Face-to-face, uh, -face, and that has had a series of challenges that uh, seem to be multiplying uh, even as the year has gone on. And uh, we are praying uh, for a vaccine. We're praying for us to be able to be together. And uh, we're praying that these holidays, despite being separate from uh, the fellowship and the church and the body, in a lot of ways that we can find ways to connect and, and, uh, and be together and really make the most of this time. And that's a lot of what God is up to in the world is that there's challenges, there's heartbreak, there's disappointment, there's hurts, there's pain, there's tears, there's death, there's sickness and sadness. But yet, how can we worship despite all that? And why is worship good? And why is worship even expected during the wilderness times? And uh, what does it do for us when we worship God despite the challenges? You know, we, we talked about last week to uh, one of the great, great, great uh, tests of our faith is, is to really worship on schedule, 
meaning that when God tells us to worship, we are to worship. That doesn't mean when we feel like it, when things are going well, when, when things come to our mind instantaneously about the things we're thankful for or the things we want to worship God about. But again, the moment that God calls us to worship, that we are there. We are ready to celebrate who he is, what he is, his unchanging nature, despite the world's constant changing uh, realities in all of our lives. So we're going to delve into that a little bit deeper here in Psalm 95. Uh, again, worship through the wilderness. We're going to look about. We're going to look real quickly about what worship really is biblically, uh, why it's important, and and how how we can worship through the wilderness uh, as a church, as a family, as a community, and prayerfully uh, really be able to see 2020 uh, as it comes to a, a conclusion here, as we are on the cusp of December, that uh, we really do see. Uh, God work powerfully, that we learn what God wants to teach us, and that we're equipped as his people uh, to continue to march to the promised land in a faithful, uh, a close, close relationship to him and to one another. So without further ado, we're going to be over in Psalm 95. We're going to read the whole psalm this morning, and I've got it up here, uh, about to block my face here in a couple seconds. So here we go. It says, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with loud with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands form the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for his our, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at, at Massah in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. I said, they are people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways so I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Stop there. Again, this passage highlights some truths about who God is, but it also highlights some truths about our hearts and our hearts' tendencies to drift astray. As you see the historical references there in Psalm 95, that we referenced even last Sunday, uh, the testing at Meribah, where, where the Israelites at this point wandering through the desert for quite some time, grew thirsty, and they began to complain, not just to, to Moses, but to complain to God about how they were thirsty and how things were better in Egypt and how quickly our hearts lose perspective about uh, the Israelites were enslaved. They were, were, they were bu building, building bricks or building bricks without straw. This was tumultuous. This was terrible, but they lost perspective and could see Egypt as, ah, at least we knew it was coming there. And the unknowns here, and they began to, as we learned last week, they sued God, which anyone you sue, you're not looking to establish or maintain a relationship with them. You're done with that relationship. So the Israelites sued God. They were, they were ready to throw off God completely there at Meribah. But as we learn, it's there where God, God stood in the gap despite their faithlessness. And he had Moses strike the rock and out came pouring streams of water. To, to quench their thirst, despite uh, their betrayal, despite their hearts going astray. That's a beautiful 
picture of the gospel in all of our hearts that despite our hearts going astray and our hearts losing perspective and our hearts lacking gratitude and worrying and being anxious and getting to the point where we want to throw off God completely, he provides despite us. And again, that faithfulness of God is meant to turn our hearts to worship and to obedience and to a life of greater great and greater trust and faithfulness. So in that passage, Meribah, Massah, these places where they were tested and failed. And we all fail at times of testing too. And God comes through faithful each and every single time, which is amazing. So worship. Let's start off with this idea of what is worship. We see here in Psalm 95 another scheduled time of worship where the psalmist is, is beckoning God's people to come and let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. That's verse 1. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. That's, that's God's expectation. And what is worship? Worship isn't just an experience. It's not a, a place or a time where we come and just sing some tunes, where we, we recite some words, where even as we did in this new format per se with, with Facebook, where we follow along and even just watch our brothers and sisters sing, and maybe we're not singing along, we just kind of hum along and bob our head and amen, it's a little bit different when we're not all together. But worship isn't just an experience. And honestly, Worship has become that in a lot of ways in, in denominational Christianity and uh, in, in the world's landscape is, is worship's an experience. You know, how do I feel? What am I, what am I experiencing there? Do I even like the music? Am I into this song? And uh, many times it's, you know, if it's the song I really like, you know, this is my jam, then you really get into it. But if it's not really, maybe it's a little slower, maybe it's a little bit more traditional. You kind of, mm, yeah, I'm not really, not really into this type of of music. I'm not really into this. You know, I like when the drums are cranking. I, I, I like the, or I like the acapella. I'm not really big in, into all these instruments. And, and we kind of shut our heart on, off and shut and turn our heart on, uh, depending on what kind of songs are being sung. Uh, but the truth is, you know, this isn't about us. It's not about, you know, do I like it or do I not? This worship is, is ultimately not just an experience. It's putting your whole self into the moment, your heart and mind. So while you may not be a great singer, wahoo, that's me, I'm not, but uh, God does tell us to, to, to bring everything when we worship, not just whether or not you can sing, but your heart and the meditation of your mind. And that's, that's huge, uh, again, to, to not only just uh, how well your voice is, but you know what? Let, let the words of my mouth and let the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. So what's worship? It's not just an experience where we like or dislike the song, but it's bringing our complete self, our whole self, to God. The passage there in Psalm 19 says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Again, this passage tells us to come and shout aloud to our rock, to our redeemer. But the, it's not just shouting and singing, but it's the meditation of my heart. It's the words of my mouth. And oh my goodness, you know, you think about worship. It's what am I thinking about when I worship? What do I think about when I come before God? What do I think about when, when, I'm, when I'm being called and extolled to sing and praise to God? What's on my mind? 
And if you're like me, you know, I already shared this. I already kind of exposed myself. Sometimes you think, nah, this song's not my jam. And your heart's distant. And the meditation of your mind is drifted away from God. And now it's more towards, uh, what's the next song? Uh, sometimes the meditation of my heart can be, you know what? What's happening for lunch? Uh, are the Eagles? I'm a big Eagles fan. Sad, sad. Talk about talk about wandering through the wilderness right now. I wonder, I wonder what's going to happen with the game and how quickly our minds drift from the reality of what we're doing. And the truth is, sometimes worship is just that. It's just people. It's just people and who's singing and how do we sound. And, it, and, it, and it's not about the meditation on my heart being focused on God. It's not coming uh, and shouting aloud to, to God. It's just it's just kind of what we do. Worship is not just an experience. It's not just what we do. It's not just singing some words. It's not just getting through a certain song that's not your jam. It's about completely coming before God and giving yourself. How much of yourself? Oh, my goodness. It's not just giving self, because that's kind of hard to monitor. But worship and true worship is worship that transforms. Worship that actually makes a difference in your life. It actually gets down to, to center city in your heart. It's not just in the suburbs of your life, which can kind of be described of, hey, you know, all, all this stuff kind of on the outskirts. No, no, no. It gets down deep and it connects and it makes a difference in our lives. You know, it says here in this, this text, verse 6, Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. You know, there's a sense here of bowing down, bowing down in worship, that this is ascribing that, that God is God, that he is worthy of praise, that he is worthy of submission, that I kneel, that I kneel to my lordship, and he becomes Lord. You know, worship is not an experience, just an experience. It's a transfer of lordship. Think about that. How does that transform the next time we sing a song, which we're going to get to after this, this sermon, that when we worship, and if we're truly worshiping, that it connects to the, it connects that, you know what? I'm transferring lordship to God. I'm ascribing value to God right here and right now. That it's meant to transform figuratively and literally. That it's meant to have my heart bow in submission. I'm going to kneel to trust God completely. You know, we need that in 2020. We need that when we're going through difficulty. We need that when there's unknowns. We need that when we're wandering through the wilderness. That's not just 2020, but it's all our lives until God restores the world the way uh, Genesis chapter 1 and 2 says that the restoration of Eden, which we all long and look forward to, how are we going to get through this world? How are we going to get through difficulty? How are we going to get through the challenges that await us in 2021? It's to worship. It's to give your whole self and for it to actually make a difference. That it's meant to transform and connect and get us to the point where we're ready to have him truly be king and Lord and God. You know, for us, how do we do that? And why is it important to do that? Is the truth is, it's important to, to worship because our hearts all worship something. So we've talked about what worship is. Worship is not just an experience, not just singing, not just kind of getting through the song, 
not through just kind of feeling good and getting your kind of, you know, getting your jam on with God. Amen. But it's actually that those words, that posture is meant to melt and soften your heart, to remind your heart who is God. It's meant to transfer lordship back to God. And why do I say back to God? Because like this passage, it talks about the Israelites for 40 years in verse 10. He was angry with that generation. Their hearts went astray. And I pray that we don't read that and say, oh, those silly Israelites, how dare they? The truth is, that's us. And I say, worship's so important. Why do we need to worship? God's not up there, uh, you know, this narcissist like, ah, oh, give me... Give me the praise. Give me the glory. Oh, man, I'm kind of down this week. You know, I'm angry, so cheer me up, little lemmings of lordship down there. No, 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 no. God knows we need to worship because our hearts go astray. We need to worship during the difficulty because difficulty exposes what we truly ascribe value to. The challenges of 2020 have exposed what I value, what I care about most what I've leaned on, what is my anchor for my soul? We learned about that last week. That exposes the idols of my life. That exposes my fear of not being healthy, my fear of death. It exposes the worries and anxieties of my life about my children and, and relationships and, and a, my approval ratings that I've made up in my mind as we've gone through this difficulty of uh, meeting in person, online, not online, the decisions that I pray and, and make faithfully for our fellowship. You know, the, the, the approval poll that I don't think there is one, but I have one in my mind uh, as to how well I'm doing. And that can be my Lord. That can be my value. And my goodness, I need to worship God because my heart goes astray. And I've got to come back to what is and who is God. So these things... And why we worship is to ascribe God, to ascribe value back to God. Because all of us, all of us value things. All of us make gods out of things that were never meant to be gods. Verse 3, it says, For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. Little g. There are little g's all in our lives that threaten to become big g's. The, the God of money, the God of relationships, the God of approval and success, the God of esteem, the God of health, the God of children, the God of marriage, the God of, of likability, the God of social media, the God of religion, the God of churchiness, the God of just getting through and, and living your best life. There are so many little G's that become big G's in our lives just like that, in verse 4, it ascribes honor and it ascribes the value back to God, which we need to share and to sing and to remember. Verse 4, it says, in his hands are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. Are you with me? The sea is his. He made it and his hands formed the dry land. Verse 6, come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. We've got to remember these things about who God is. What the psalmist is teaching us to do and why it's so important to worship is that we need to remind our hearts of who is God and what he's done and how powerful he is and how sovereign he is 
and what he has in his control. And the Psalms are so good for that. And it's so important that we learn to re-engage with God during this difficult time of 2020 and learn how to do that in the wilderness that is our life. Because we want to ascribe value to other things so quickly. And we need the reminder that God is God. He's the king above all kings. He's the one that's in control. He controls the oceans. He tells the oceans when to stop. He summons the snow from the sky. He has the storehouses of lightning. He has the ability to to breathe life into what is dead. He has restored us. He has forgiven us. He has sacrificed his son for us. Oh my goodness, he is God. And we need those reminders all the time. All the time. You know, it's so important that we answer what we value most. What do you ascribe value to the most? You know, it can be so easy. But what are those little G's that are threatening to become big G's? The God of retirement. I already listed off a few. But it's so important that we figure out what those are. And then it's so important not to just flounder in that, oh, I've got more gods, oh, bummer. But to quickly worship the true God. To think about him. To brainstorm who he is and what he's done so that our hearts stay soft and that we value what is truly valuable. You know, I'm not a big uh, Harry Potter fan, but there's this moment in in Harry Potter where Harry comes into this uh, scene. I've got it here where he comes to this, the mirror of Erzadet or Erzid, whatever. I don't know, but it's not, it's not super clever because the E-R-I-S-E-D, this mirror is actually desire spelled backwards. Desire spelled backwards. And what this mirror did is that as you approach this mirror, you see what matters most to you. And Harry, having uh, having never met his parents, his parents were, were murdered when he was an infant. What he sees there is he goes to the mirror and he sees his, his parents there. And you can see it here on the screen. And he wants family. And you think, well, what's the big deal about that? You know, this became his identity. This became everything for him. And it wasn't just being with family, but it was the approval of his dad. It was the approval of his mom. It was more than that. And his little buddy, uh, actually, it was bigger than him. His buddy actually came to the same mirror uh, later later in this in this movie. And he didn't see his parents, but he actually be, he saw himself being the, the number one sportsman in all of the land. He saw him being, saw himself being praised and, and honored for, for his athletic achievements. The point is, is this mirror of, of desire shows what value or what you value most, what you actually connect to, what is it that you long for the most. And I think that's so true of all of us that we have these, these mirrors that we go to in our world and we say, ah, yes. That's what I ascribe value to the most. What we learn in the New Testament, we learn in passages like Luke 13, where we see the parable of the treasure in the field, where this man is is stumbling through the field and he finds a treasure that's more valuable than everything he has. So he goes and, 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 and sells everything so that he can buy that land. He found something so much more valuable. And as disciples, we have found that. We've found something that, is, that has been 
that's more valuable than anything in Jesus. And the truth is, and the sadness is, is that we lose our sense of understanding for that value. And we quickly ascribe value to other things. So again, worship is important because we've got to ascribe value back to God. And it, it's we do things for our kids like, let's do the ABCs of God. And God is amazing. And God is beautiful. And, and God is creative. And, and God is discerning. And, and God is excellent. And God is faithful. And we go through and, and we think it's just for the kids. But when's the last time you did something that just, you know what? Let me just worship God. Let me remind my heart of who he is. Because I'm getting off track. And things value, things I'm, things matter more to me than they should. And I, my heart has drifted and needs to come back to valuing the most important thing. And that is our God. And that is our King above all gods. He is the God of gods. He is our Lord and the great God. And we need those moments. But it's not true worship, family. It's not true worship where my heart, if that time of ascribing value back to God doesn't lead to me bowing and kneeling and my heart softening. It's not just an exercise, but it's actually meant to produce something. It's actually meant to produce change in our lives. You know, the story where a woman had a, a had a, a, a beautiful necklace and she saw it was beautiful, but she kind of, yeah, yeah, it's over there. But one day she, she brought it she brought it to a, you know, to a specialist who brought out his little, you know, I, I can't remember, it starts with a, a J or an L or something. He's brought out his little, his little magnifying glass and he's looking at this. And, and as he looks at, at the shaping and the craftsmanship of this, of this necklace, his mouth drops and his, his, his eyes lift and his, his shoulders just drop. And he, he realizes that he's in the presence of something so valuable that he thought he had never, ever would experience. And it changed his posture. It changed, it changed everything. And when he went on to tell this woman what she really had, what, what value she had overlooked for so many years, it changed everything. It changed the way she looked at it. It changed the way she, she saw life. It changed, the, it changed everything about her approach to, to, to her, her days. And it's that ascribing of value that changes us. And we need all those reminders. I know I've belabored that point, but I hope you get it. And I hope you understand that when we, un when we understand God's value and who he is, it changes everything for us. We can't be the same. We can't live the same. We don't just for a moment ascribe yes to God. And then we go on living our lives. That's not true worship. It's not true worship at all. The truth is family uh, verse eight talks about a hardening of heart. Verse 11 says that they shall never enter my rest. That there is a consequence to not, to not worshiping God to the point where it transforms our lives. That, that there's a consequence of, of the empty religious, empty religion of, of singing praise to God, of saying amen, and then it doesn't translate to our lives. You know, we're, we're all there and we've all had that nasty taste in our mouths where we're just going through the motions, where we're just kind of doing it, but we're really not doing it. You know, many of us uh, grew up going to church and that's so much part of our testimony where we're, yeah, I went, but I, I wasn't really doing it. I wasn't really living it out. It was, 
yeah, there's just so much hypocrisy in my life and church on Sunday, but living my life Monday through Saturday. And it was just like, uh, uh. and, and we longed to be in fellowship where it actually meant more than just mere lip service, that it would go all the way to the heart to transform our lives. And that's exactly what God intends for us as we go through the wilderness that is our lives. You know, let it not, let it not be say, said about us or about you uh, or about the RVC that, you know what, we just go through the motions. We're not connecting. We're not true worshipers because the words that we ascribe to God don't change our lives. It's just there for a moment, but it doesn't translate to what we do in our lives. It doesn't translate to obedience. It doesn't translate to joy, to real, real life change. You know, here in Romans chapter 12, it's it's this passage that helps me so much. And it's a great reminder I pray to all of you. Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Again, this isn't just uh, worship, isn't just saying certain words and singing certain songs and, and getting to the point where we even believe those words, but it's actually meant to translate to sacrifice, to our lives being a living sacrifice that we present our lives to God, that this is our spiritual worship. It's meant to manifest into real life, and we all know that. But how's that going? I know there's challenges. I know 2020 is difficult to, to live out discipleship at times, to, to actually go and connect but my goodness, are we looking for the opportunities? Are we quick? Are we quick to continue to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice? We'll talk about how we can do that here in a little bit. I just wanted to double down or maybe quadruple down by this point that worship is manifested in our lives by our sacrificial life and our Christ likeness and how we are with or to and being like Jesus. That's Romans chapter 12. You know, as we bring it uh, to a landing here, you know, we've talked about what is worship, why it's important. Let's talk about how we can, moving forward, worship in the wilderness. My first practical here is I want you to write your own psalm this week, and you can call it Psalm 2020. Psalm 2020, you know, the psalms end at a certain chapter, but you know what? Let's write our own not to be penned into the canon that is God's word, but a Psalm 2020 where you just highlight who God is to you, that you sing his praises, you ascribe him the, the glory that is due him. You talk about what he's done this year, despite the challenges. You remember what he's done in your life and the lives of others. Psalm 2020, everyone write one this week and then share it with someone else because I guarantee your psalm of praise, ascribing value back to God, will not only soften your heart to now set yourself up for success, to align your heart with now living out those truths and transforming God, Lordship, back to God. But as you read those words, just like we read the words of David and others who have written these psalms, don't they help our hearts? 
Won't someone's Psalm 2020? Won't Elena's Psalm of 2020 Psalm or Bruce's Psalm 2020 or my wife's Psalm 2020, won't that impact my heart? Won't it be a great combination of great praise to our God that will transform lordship and ultimately transform us? That's my first practical on how we can worship. Write Psalm 2020 this week. You know, secondly here, there really is a warning. There's a warning that this generation was not going to enter their, the rest of God. And that's God's greatest hope for us, is that we enter his rest. And this isn't just about heaven. This isn't just, you know, one day in a far off land. This is actually rest we can experience now. We can take God's yoke upon us that is easy and light, that we can live a life of rest. And we don't want anyone to miss that life. We don't want anybody in all of the world. We don't want anyone in our community. And we don't want anyone in our church to miss the rest. The rest that can be yours by worshiping and by being transformed and by living out the words that we proclaim to Jesus, to our God. This generation did. We don't want to. And the, and, and the Bible tells us how we can ensure that none of us miss that rest. There's a great survey that you can do, a survey through Hebrews chapter 3 and 4 that tells us how we, how we can ensure that we don't miss that rest. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 talks about fixing our eyes on Jesus. We've already done that. Fixing our eyes on who he is, writing your Psalm 2020. Verse 6 of chapter 3 says to hold firmly to our confidence. The more and more we worship, the more and more we let those words sink into the downtowns of our hearts, our confidence in those truths will grow and it will become an anchor for our soul. But then the practical here that you can see in this Psalm 95 is in verse 1 where it says, Come, let us sing for joy. Worship is not just an individual practice. It is 95% of the time in scripture, corporate. It is about us worshiping. It is about us reminding each other. It is about us fixing our eyes on Jesus. And it is about us going to every length to help each other not miss the rest that God wants us to have in the wilderness and in eternity. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 through 14 says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today, so that none of you will be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold to our original conviction firmly to the very end. This passage is is, is mirrors actually Psalm 95. Psalm 95 is quoted in Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4. And it's all wrapped up in here to see to it. See to it, brothers and sisters. How, how do we worship? We worship by sharing the truths of God's word with each other so that our hearts don't get hardened. That we continue to hear his voice. That we don't follow we don't follow the suit in what our brothers and sisters did at Meribah and Massah. That we don't complain and throw off God. We don't lose sight of what we have in Jesus, in God, taking us through the wilderness. And now we long to go back to slavery. 
we're still in that wilderness. We're still going through that moment. And the Bible teaches us here to let us sing. Let us see to it that none of us have a sinful, unbelieving heart. Brothers and sisters, we need each other more than ever. I understand Facebook stinks. I understand Zoom. Ah, Zoom fatigue. I understand FaceTime. Ugh, I want to see your face. I want to be in contact. But it's not what, what's best right now. And we need it more than ever. We need the phone calls. How are you doing, bros? We need the phone calls. How are you doing, sis? How's your heart? Hey, hey, bro, let me remind you of who God is. Let me share with you my Psalm 2020 so that we together can fix our heart on Jesus. You know, it's so easy to get isolated. It's so easy to become individualistic right now in our worship and our praise because we're not all together. But Roanoke Valley Church, we need to triple, quadruple, quintuple down on making efforts to connect, on making efforts to connect and engage with one another so that our hearts stay soft, so that none of us miss this rest right now and in eternity. You know, some of us are missing this rest. We're anxious. We're overcome with sorrow. We're, we're back and forth. Our convictions are weakening. We're not spending great time with God. We're, our prayer lives are, are drying up. Our, our fellowship is lacking. You know, we're, we're not being open about our hearts. We're not spending time with one another talking about God's word. We're, we're running off to work. We're coming home and we're, we're bunkering down. We're, we're, we're not making the phone calls. We're, we're overcome with, with, with good and bad and indifferent things. And we need, we need each other. We need each other to break, break these moments where we're looking to small G's because I know my heart is that when I'm looking to small G's and small G's are becoming big G's and I'm not worshiping God, I'm not being transformed, I need a brother who is. I need a sister who is to see to it that my heart doesn't get hard. I need the brothers more than ever. I need the sisters more than ever. I need the RVC more than ever. Oh my goodness, I see James Schultz in the comments right now. I, I need the Worldwide Fellowship. He's out there in Seattle. I, I need his prayers. I need his heart. I need his conviction more than ever. We need each other. You know, step up to the plate and be that brother and sister who can help us be transformed in our worship to God. We need to see to it more than ever. You know, what would it look like this week for you to help others be transformed. You know, maybe you're in a spot where you need to be, you need, you're the one that needs to see to it. You're the one that needs someone to, to see to you. Amen. Reach out. Let someone know, hey, I'm not in a good spot. I need your help. I'm not doing well. I need you to, I need you to read the Bible with me. I, I need you to study the Bible with me. I, I'm not doing great. I, I need to pray together with you. I need to meet with you regularly. Let's let's meet six feet distance to pray, to go on a prayer walk with masks on and muffled prayers. Who cares? Let's do something. Amen for all of that. You know, the beauty is, is that in this passage, um, again, we don't want to miss the rest, but the beauty is, is if it's up to us and it's up to how well we see to it and how well you call and text and FaceTime and Zoom and Facebook and how diligent you are to make sure that your praise isn't empty and you go and you obey, you know, we're all going to fall short. We're all going to be 
we're all going to just continue to have our hearts turn and turn and turn. And the beauty is here is that we have someone who cares for us that's greater than any brother and sister because we're all going to fall short. We're all going to not be there for each other when we need to. But in verse 7, it tells us he is our God. We are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. You know, if you continue to read through Hebrews chapter 4, where this passage is quoted by the author of Hebrews, he tells us there that it's not us, but it's a great high priest in verse 15 and 16. It's Jesus who is able to sympathize with our weakness. So he is the one who has laid down his life so that we can go to his throne time in and time out with great confidence when we fall short, when our when our God becomes, when our God is not our God anymore, and when God, the gods that are of, of approval and esteem and health become the gods that we rely on, you know what? We have a shepherd. We have someone who is caring for us. We are in his pasture. He is Psalm 23. He leads us besides still waters into green pastures. His rock and his, his, his rod and his staff, they comfort us through this wilderness time. Praise God for Jesus that he died on the cross and resurrected so that we can be sheep in his pasture, that we can have a big brother who isn't just pointing the finger and say, oh, you're not going to enter my rest, but he died for us so that all of us, all of us can have his yoke that is light and his burden that is easy, or his yoke that is light and his burden that's easy so that we can go through this wilderness and keep worshiping, keep going after the transformation that only he can bring. And we can be brothers and sisters together worshiping to ascribe value back to our God to help us all enter this rest now and in eternity. I pray this has encouraged you. We are going through the wilderness. This is difficult, but we need to worship, not just in words, not just in experience, but with all of ourselves, our mind, our body and soul, giving it all to God. How do we do that? Why it's important? Because you've got other gods out there right now that shouldn't be God. And we need to ascribe God's praise back to him so that our hearts can be reminded, our hearts can be softened to make God God, to remind our hearts that he truly is the king of kings, that he is in control, and that we need fear not, that we can be at rest now in this difficulty and unknown pandemic. And that now we can be emboldened as his church to see to it, to throw off the shackles of shame and guilt saying, oh, I'm not where I need to be, so who am I? To bag all that and say, I'm your brother, I'm your sister, and I don't want anybody to miss this rest. I don't want anybody not just not to go to heaven, but I don't want anyone to live a life of anxiety. I don't want any brothers and sisters to drift away from their faith right now. So let's see to it. Read or write your Psalm 2020 this week and share it with another brother and sister. Share it on Facebook. Share it on Instagram. Share it on the phone. Share it face to face. Have a family Devo so that all of our hearts can be softened and be reminded of who our God is so that we can walk and go to his throne in confidence, that grace that Jesus is, and that we can worship in the wilderness. Oh my goodness. I'm excited to read your psalms so that we can be his pasture and shine brightly in this dark world as we walk with Jesus. We love you. We thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. And uh, we will be right back here. Let's sing a song called Someday with the Church in Boston. We love you.